when you're in a state where you are, for lack of a better term, highly vibrational, you're in a state where you are enjoying what you're doing, you are performing at a high level, high level, and you're able to enjoy it, you'll be surprised the things that you have in, inside of you, the level of revelation that you have when you're discovering things, the level of insight and intuition that you can have when you're looking at things. Because it's not simply a cerebral activity, it's an activity that really is activating all of you. All right. Well, welcome everybody to the High Performance Happiness Podcast. Welcome back. If you have been hanging out with us and if you're checking us out for the first time, glad you're here. Uh, This is a a podcast dedicated to helping executives, entrepreneurs, other high performers achieve better results, but also live better lives. So where does this come from? I I joke often that this is the podcast I couldn't find as a (laughs) entrepreneur and business leader, these are the topics I've struggled with, right? It's you know, how do you crush your goals without getting crushed? Uh, so we dig into the hard stuff and, and want to learn from the people who are doing that, that I admire that I'm learning from. Uh, so we get into, you know, beating burnout, managing stress to how do you scale companies and still do some self-care in between. Uh, hopefully these are relevant, relatable stories and tips and strategies, some resources along the way to help you in your own journey to feel and be your best. And so I want you to know if you're, if you're searching right now, maybe you're just getting the year started, you're getting excited or you've had enough and you just want to feel better, not just do better. Mm. This is a great place to start. And I really believe there is a path to balance high performance and happiness and that's what we're going to learn about here together. Uh, so I welcome you to join me on that wherever you are in your journey. And tonight, I'm excited to bring. Can I call you a friend now, Matthew? We're oh yeah, we're definitely right? we, yeah, yeah we, we're, we're definitely good. friends now. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely friends now. <laughs> young man, I got to know over this past year who uh, we actually had into our company to do some work and is doing some amazing work. I've watched him on LinkedIn, Matthew Getty. So first, let me say welcome and. Hello. Thank you for having me, Brian. I appreciate it. I'm excited. When you talk to a productivity dude and he makes time for you, you got to respect that. So I'm hey, like, hey, I am here for you. Hey, whenever someone gives me an opportunity to talk, I think about it and then I say yes. Uh, okay, we're we good. <laughs> I want to give a little bit of background. Um, if I had to summarize this guy in a word, I'd say smile. He's like the greatest smile ever. But <laughs> thank you. He's uh, Matthew's been a student of productivity for over eight years. He's field tested his learnings about effective actions, goal setting, and increasing productivity as an engineer at the largest utility in Texas as a solopreneur and also as a director of client success for a six-figure company. So mm-hmm. when we talk about learning from the trenches. These are the kind of people I like to have. (laughs) Uh, So Matthew's on a mission, not only to help engineers and entrepreneurs become more productive, but to do so in a way that lessens stress and fosters an environment to produce high quality work. It's like we were meant to be together. Right? Exactly. I didn't even write that for you. So so I'm uh, I'm glad you're here. And we we first met, I was, uh, you know, I'm always a student of productivity. Mm -hmm. We've joked in the past, like I'm a nerd when it comes to time management, Mm -hmm. like borderline fanatical. And I love the stuff you teach. I love how you teach it. I appreciate it. And so first, congratulations on on launching, you know, your own consulting agency. And and I know you've 
done some other contract work and uh, yes, I really love the approach. I think it's unique, the approach you're taking out there. So great job applying so much earlier in your career to help so many more people now. It's been really cool to watch. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's nice to, it's nice to hear people because oftentimes you you get in the social media space and especially when you're not a Tony Robbins, Gary V, you're not somebody like that. You're like, does any of this, is this reaching anyone? Yeah. So it's always great to see that the information and the, and the things that you're passionate about that you're sharing with other people is affecting other people's lives in a positive way. And if anything, causing them to think thoughts and take actions that they haven't thought or haven't taken before. Yeah. And that's basically my mission. I don't, I don't want to be someone who just comes out here and says all the great things. And I come on, I have 10,000 likes, yada, yada, yada. Right. I really do want to help people to like you're like you read and like what you're doing here. How can you be productive? How can you achieve your goals and how can you do it without sacrificing your life to do so? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I mean, we, you know, the time's the one resource and we just yeah. <laughs> haven't yet figured out how to duplicate. So, um, but I think it ties in both for, you know, the folks that listen to this are typically, we're all wired very similar that we're goal driven and we're trying to get every ounce out of the day and sometimes at a cost. And so exactly. out how do you, how do you not compromise that? So let me, mm-hmm. let me revert back. So you started your career as a, mm-hmm. uh, as an engineer, came out of college, uh, University of Texas, right? Arlington? Is that- University of Texas at Arlington. Yeah. Being an engineer was the only degree that was difficult enough to keep me focused and keep me out of trouble. So that's that's what I did. <laughs> did it do both? Did, did it oh, both? it definitely did. It was ridiculous. Engineering, especially electrical engineering, is the only engineering I can think of other than well, maybe not even computer, where everything you learn and everything that you're taught, you can't ever see. It's just equations and you plug stuff up according to these equations and it works, but you can't see what's going on. Mm-hmm. So we were very, very conceptual, very, very um, trusting in the principles of electricity to make sure that we were doing things right. So it was it was interesting. It was fun. I will not be going back, but <laughs> <laughs> it was great to do one time. Check the box. Exactly. exactly. I admire it though. And I tell my kids a lot, you know, I I didn't go to college. (laughs) And I think one of the things that I missed on is, you know, the, how you think about problem solving Mm -hmm. and approaching things. And I think I'm curious, I don't want to speak for you. Mm -hmm. How did that or did that experience going into engineering at at a pretty intense job? um, How did that formulate this passion for product? Like you don't think of engineer. I work with a lot of engineers, right. in, Mm -hmm. In our company, not many of them are very passionate about time. <laughs> how so, did that come about for you? Like, did were those things tied together, or was it necessity? What, what, what? How did that come about? So originally, my interest into productivity really came about because I wanted to say, how can I get good grades and study less? It was a strictly oh, as, a okay. as a student. As a student, I started as a student. I so let me back up a little bit more. Homeschooled, homeschooled between second grade all the way through high school. Mom basically taught myself my junior year on. My mother was a high school teacher, but she got to the junior level stuff and was like, hey, I didn't teach this. You have to teach it yourself and wow. teach yourself how to do it. So it really helped the learning process as well. When I got to college, I knew how to learn, but now it was about how do I learn better? How can I be more effective? Because you're in high school, it's high school is 
difficult in the moment. And then you look back at it and you're like, why was I freaking out about it? It really wasn't that bad. <laughs> I just had that talk with my son last night. You're, you're gonna it, it's all right. Yes, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Well, when you get to college and especially going into an engineering field, something where I took because it was a lot more intensive than other things out there, I really had to stop and say, okay, I'm taking a calculus class. I'm taking a physics class. I'm taking an electronics class. And then I'm taking some sort of class on electromagnetism. How in the world am I going to get good grades in all of these? Well, I really had to look about what are my study habits? How can I handle my time better? And that really helped me to look into productivity strictly originally, just so I could be like, I don't have to study all the time. I can know how to study. I know how to do my time, put in my quality two, three hours a week for my class, and then be done and enjoy being a college student. That's originally how all that started. I didn't it, know that. Okay. Yeah, it, it paid off. And it's interesting that that one thing has carried me. And this is the one thing I help with other people do now. Yeah. It just started off with me just saying, hey, I want to be a kid. <laughs> I'm 18 to 20. I want to spend time with my friends. There's all these people here. I don't want to be stuck with my head in the book all the time. I really don't. I love it. I didn't know that <laughs> story. I'm glad you shared that. And and I think that... Uh, What's interesting is how applicable it is now to, you, mm-hmm. you know, you're a parent, you're yes. an entrepreneur, yes. you're also a contract, you know, you, have, you, you are partnering with companies now, like your portfolio is growing, your time yes, demands and all of that. So tell me about all these <clears throat> roles, dad, husband, entrepreneur, Oof. you know, director, executive, you know, how, how is your time pulled all over the place? How do you apply that now with all these different roles? Where, where um, is the easiest and hardest? Let me ask it that way. So the easiest role is probably being the director of client communications and success for Impact School. It's a company that I work with now. Um, we help uh, companies, I'm sorry, we help entrepreneurs transition on the online. So building an online business or helping them to scale their online business. That's probably the easiest one just because it's more defined roles as far as hey, from here to here, this is where this time is occupied. Great, that's fine. The most difficult one is being Matthew. Being Matthew is probably the most difficult time, the hardest thing to get around to. It probably you, okay, is. Okay, so what does that mean? Because I didn't even, that, all right, I'm going to add more. <laughs> what does being Matthew mean? So being Matthew is making time to do things simply for the joy of doing them. What does that mean? My days start at 3.30 in the morning, not because I want them to start at 3.30 in the morning, but because I know that this is the best time for me to have my me time, for me to go to the gym, to read, to work on my business, because once you know six, seven hits, I'm now in work mode. And then once that's done, all that transitions to, I need to be dad. I need to be husband. I need to be provider for my family. So being me and having that time to say, hey, I just want to be Matthew right now. I, I love being dad. I love being husband. I love being employee. I love being entrepreneur, but I need to be me first. And one thing that's really helped me is just speaking with other entrepreneurs and understanding, especially when you're in the solopreneur space, 
understanding that you are your business as much as your business is a business. Mm-hmm. When you're in a space where you're the one facilitating content, you're creating all of the content that you have on social media, you're f- delivering the courses, you're doing sales calls, you're speaking with people, you really have to make sure that you're prioritizing the things that keep you going during the day, the things that keep you energized, the things that really keep you connected to the goals that you're trying to achieve. Because if, when you lose that, not only are you losing that direction of yourself, that can be compromising to your business as well. So being taking that me time isn't just for me just saying, hey, I need to be loose and not have responsibility. It's understanding that when I don't have this time, everything that's connected to me because I have to live my life begins to suffer. So doing what's necessary to take care of myself, make sure I'm energized, making sure I'm happy, making sure I'm healthy so that we can continue to serve people in a greater capacity going forward. Oh, so much good stuff. <laughs> we just got the whole rest of the podcast ready to rock, right? <clears throat> so first, I appreciate your answer. I've never had anyone answer it that way. And shame on me. I <laughs> That's such a great lesson for me, right? Because I think about the roles as all the things you go do for everybody else. Exactly. Your exactly. first go-to move was like, oh, yeah, there's me. Yeah. That's definitely. brilliant. That's brilliant. What a great reminder. What a great lesson. Like we could wrap up now and that would be <laughs> math. By the way, and I don't need credit for this. One of my fun things I always try and do in these interviews is find the title of your autobiography for you. I think being Matthew is the name of your uh, autobiography, just so you know. Hey, you <laughs> look, I will write it down and you, hey, you, you can, can write the forward. I don't need any credit to royalties unless it gets really big. But oh, yeah. That's <laughs> Um, I, I, we're going to get into some of those other things about how you then make that impact and, mm-hmm. and all of that. But I, I do want to revisit something that I had a buddy the other day asked me to go mountain bike and I was like, yeah, sure. What time? He's like, we'll be there at six. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> um, and I'm, you know, I'm not, a am I'm, I'm better than I used to be, but mm-hmm. you know, for me, a 6am start is pretty early. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do different things at different times. And we, you and I have talked about peak productivity time and find all those mm-hmm. things. 3.30 a.m. Yes. So I've read people talk about this and it feels overwhelming. So if you're listening to this, you're like, well, shit, I'm not, never getting up at that time. So I'm never going to be productive. That's not true. Mm-hmm. No. But I'm interested to learn how you made it work for you because that's, that's, that's a commitment right there. It's, it's ridiculous. So another story time. My, my dad works as an engineer for the Nuclear Regulatory Commission for the government. Oh, wow. So he's been waking up at 4.30 to 5 for the past 20 some odd years. Yeah. So when he used to wake up, he used to have this annoying alarm clock that we could hear all throughout the house. <laughs> so when you're already a light sleeper around 4.30 in the morning, you automatically become, okay, I'm gonna wake up now. Yeah. We had to do 3.30 just because I'll go to the gym, I have to count for travel time. And one thing that really help your listeners. So I'm going to put this out there. Like Brian was saying, you do not have to wake up early to be yeah. a productive person. I'm saying that for me because I don't want to. No. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be uh, wake up early to be a productive person. There are benefits to waking up early, and we can sure. kind of go over some of those um, if we have time. 
But really the key to making sure that you're waking up early is one, give yourself grace. The very first day you do it, it's going to be it's going to be difficult. It's going to be very difficult. Understand it's going to be difficult to place whatever device is going to wake you up in the morning, someplace where you physically have to get out of bed to turn it off. If you put it right next to your bed, you lean over, you turn it off. You haven't got out of bed. You'll go right back to sleep. If you walk up, get up, walk across the room, you already be like, I'm already up. I'm standing up. Might as well go ahead and get up now. And the very last one is starting to plan backwards. So whatever time you want to wake up, count backwards from that time to figure out when you need to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. That's something a lot of people mess up. You go to bed at 10 and then you say, oh, I'm going to wake up at, you know, three in the morning next day. And then you realize, oh, I only had five and a half hours of sleep. Right. And normally that kicks in about two, two thirty three. And there's a sharp drop off and you're just yeah. like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I hate everybody. I want to go take a nap. <laughs> I don't want to do anything that. Uh, yeah, so those are a couple of things to keep in mind. That's helpful. <laughs> that, that is helpful. And I think that is an important point that you have to do what works for you. I, I love mm-hmm. testing stuff. So I've modified my schedule a little bit now where uh, I've split the difference so I can mm-hmm. still get up early, but get an earlier start. But I get like half my self-care in, in the morning now and I do the other half after work to kind of cleanse myself in a way <laughs> because I was trying to get this whole hour and a half routine in early mm-hmm. and still start by 7:30 or whatever. And I was frustrated because mm-hmm. it felt like, you know, a slacker getting to the off, you know, into the virtual office anyway, by 8:30 mm-hmm. or nine, when I felt like I should be doing it earlier. So mm-hmm. if you're struggling with that, I'd encourage you to test it, but that's a great rules for whatever your starting grid is. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. How do you handle? So, how old is your, your daughter? <clears throat> she is. She turned two. She Got is it. two and like and a half. Oh my gosh! God bless mm-hmm. you. So, yes. What Thank is, you. Uh, I've seen the pictures. <laughs> she's she's adorable. How do you handle going to bed? What time do you go to bed? And then how do you handle that with a young young child in the house? Um. So I'm usually in the bed around nine. Okay. So I'm usually in the bed around nine. Uh, my daughter. If we're all in the bed around nine, if I go to bed around nine, my wife will go to bed around nine. She'll just be like, there's no point in me being up by myself anymore. <laughs> if we're both going to sleep, she'll. my daughter has the worst FOMO in life. Mm. She doesn't want to miss anything. So she'll say, if y'all are in the bed, I'm going to be in the bed. Okay. Um, so it's really too not, it's not too terrible okay. um, as far as going to bed, waking up as long as I slip out quietly and don't make too much noise, she stays asleep. Um, she really has been sleeping throughout the night pretty well. She doesn't wake up in the, in the middle of the night as much as she used to. When she was, that was rough. That was yeah. really yeah. rough. Um, and when that happens, you just have to adapt your schedule and say, hey, 3.30, I've been up for the past. I've been up since 1 to 3.30. I'm not going to get up right now. I'm going to get up at 5. And just that's what's going to have to be. So I'd rather have that sleep. Um, yeah. Because without it, I'm going to be worthless. I have uh, come to appreciate that. Yes, he's still oh, yes. through it. So let, let's shift gears here a little bit, Matthew. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit more broadly. You, you get an opportunity to speak with a lot of different types of professionals, mm-hmm. usually with the goal of making some improvement. Productivity mm-hmm. is what we refer to it as, but it impacts a lot of things. Mm-hmm. What would you say right now? I, you know, I, I think I say, like, what's the state of of balance or work-life balance, right? And, and we can argue the merits of that phrase, but mm-hmm. where are people at mentally when you meet them? How would you say things are right now for broad stroke uh, for, for professionals right now? 
broad stroke for professionals right now, there is a lack of boundaries between work and life. And there is a very abstract concept of productivity in their lives. If you ask the average person, hey, do you want to be more productive? 99% of people are going to say yes. If you ask them, what does productivity mean? Then it becomes, oh, what, what, does, what does that mean? Does that mean doing more things? Does that mean doing things faster? Does that mean making sure that my time is distributed more evenly? Um, so really, I don't want to get into the preaching portion of it. But, yeah. <laughs> just, but go uh, there. Like, what is, what sh- how should we be thinking about that productivity question? Uh, the productivity question really needs to come down to what are you trying to achieve? Um, what I, the framework that I teach is the very first step is identify, identify the goals that you're trying to achieve productivity in and of itself. It means nothing. It means absolutely nothing unless you have a goal you're trying to achieve because productivity is just a measurement between where am I now and where do I want to be without that goal and that destination productivity honestly cannot exist. Mm -hmm. So as professionals, as entrepreneurs, as business owners, going back and defining what area do I want to be more productive in? Do I want to, I don't know, do I want to increase my uh, turnover of these certain types of reports by 50%? Do I want to leave work on time or leave work early um, Mm -hmm. consistently? Because the way that you do both of those might be different. There is no broad stroke. This, these print, there's principles that apply to everybody, but the execution of that inside of your life might look different from each person based upon the goals that they're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. So this principle that you have might look different for Brian and myself because we're trying to achieve different goals. The principle applies to both of us. The way we execute it in our lives looks different because we're trying to achieve different things. That's <clears throat> good. Do, does applying it because we have different lives is one piece. What about our wiring or yes, let me put it another way. Baggage (laughs) we bring. uh, Does that, does that play into it at all? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Some people are not morning people and there's nothing wrong with being, not being a morning person. Some people are night owls. Some people I would advise them, Hey, you need to get your So there is a caveat to this. The first hour of your day is the most important hour of your day, especially when you first get to work, because typically for the majority of people, the first hour of your day is a time where you can go in and be uninterrupted inside of the workspace. Everybody else is getting coffee. Everybody else is showing up. Everybody else is talking to the coworkers. You come in and do a solid hour. You can be ahead of everyone else. So I do like people prioritizing the first hour of the day after that. We talked about, um, you mentioned it in passing, matching your times that you're working on high intensity tasks to times when your energy naturally is at a high level. So if I know that my energy peaks in the morning because I am a morning person, after that first hour, I might take a 10 minute break, go right back in for another hour. Brian, if you're an afternoon person, you might do your first hour and say, all right, I'm going to do more admin stuff because I'm still waking up. But at three o'clock, when I'm dead, you might say, hey, I'm going to work on my high intensity task right now because this is when I'm feeling the best. Um, So our wiring and our natural inclination inclinations do have to be taken into account because we're not all robots. We're not all the same model. We are all humans. But the way being a human is interesting, because even though we're all made of the same things, the way that we interact with the world and the, our burnt, our bents and personalities and traits are all different. And we do have to take those into account because if 
if we don't take it into account, you'll be thinking you're a failure because you're trying to be me. Don't be me. Be you. There's ways that you can apply this to your life for you can be so that you can be successful. Such a great, great point. So let me ask you about you per, personally or more directly, right? Put you on the hot seat. So since we've got this all messed up these days, right? And we're, we're, we're conflating what productivity is and what balances or, or, or our boundaries. I like how you put that. Balancing high performance and happiness. Are you, you strike me as somebody who's able to do both, which is why I wanted you here. <laughs> uh, does that come naturally to you? Is it something you have to work on? How do you perceive that for, from your own perspective? So I'd love when I, when I saw that question on the question sheet that you gave me, I was like, please ask this. One. Um, <laughs> I Balancing happiness and high performance is something that I actively have to work towards. The reason why I actively have to work towards that is because happiness and high performance to me sometimes cannot be related if I'm not making sure that I'm working on the right things. So high performance can lead to happiness. If you go and look at uh, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, Mihai, he wrote the book on flow. And when you're in the state of flow, a state of high performance, one of the things is you're fully engaged in that uh, particular activity. And it gives you a state of enjoyment because you're being challenged in things that you have the capacity to do. But it's challenging enough to keep you fully engaged, which gives you a sense of satisfaction and happiness. The issue with that is, is that sometimes if those are unrelated, you can get into a state of high performance or happiness rather than high performance leading to happiness or happiness leading to high performance. Happy people are productive people. Productive people end up having happiness because of the flow state that arrives. So for me, I have to make sure that I'm always looking at being happy and being a high performer versus being happy or just being a high performer. Man, I got two new new <laughs> said that before. This is so good. I love it. You're breaking it down right now, Matthew. A lot of truth in that. I just have not uh, articulated it that way. I think that makes makes sense. And you kind of you, you kind of went to the next place. It was goes like, what does it look like for you? But let me ask you just directly: when they are lined up, when it's one plus one equals three for you, high performance and happiness, what is it like for you? It is the most fascinating, enjoyable, confusing thing ever, because when you're in a state where you are, for lack of a better term, highly vibrational, you're in a state where you are enjoying what you're doing, you are performing at a high level, high level, and you're able to enjoy it, you'll be surprised the things that you have inside of you, the level of revelation that you have when you're discovering things, the level of insight and intuition that you can have when, when you're looking at things. Because it's not simply a cerebral activity, it's an activity that really is activating all of you. It's something where you're emotionally invested, you're spiritually invested to an extent, you are physically invested to an extent, you're mentally invested to an extent. And so when you are putting all of your body in alignment with, these are very fluffy terms, I am aware of that. But when you're putting all of your body in alignment with the activity that you're in, you're fully engaged in that particular thing. You're using, to, to use this miscommonly used trope, you're using 100% of your brain at that particular point in your time. You're fully engaged. There's a, a book called um, Power and Full Engagement by Jim Swartz, Charles Swartz. His last name is Swartz. I forgot the red, okay. his first name. Um, and he has 
full engagement broken down into four categories. You need to be physically engaged, you need to be mentally engaged, you need to be spiritually engaged, and you need to be emotionally engaged. And when you are all four of those centers inside of you are engaged in whatever you're, you're producing, you are now operating at your peak potential. You're able to access the information that's already in your brain because as humans, our brains are interesting. We don't always remember what we actually have in our brain. Sometimes we need triggers, which is fascinating to me. But when you are in that state, when you're fully engrossed in whatever you're working on, you're able to access those parts of information inside your brain a lot more easy because your attention and your emotion and your body are not all distributed across nine, 90 kabillion things. We're all here. We're all focused. We're all working on the same thing. Everything that we have is invested in this. And that gives us a level of satisfaction because we know we're doing things that we are being challenged to do. We know we're growing. We have an innate sense that we are achieving some sort of goal that has a purpose. And we are able to have that sense of enjoyment, that happiness piece comes in. You have the high performance and the happiness piece comes in because, hey, I'm kind of good at this. Even though I'm struggling, I'm kind of good at this. And that level of satisfaction will continue to help propel you during that thing. When you come to roadblocks, you look at the roadblock and say, if I could do all that other hard stuff, this is just going to take me a little bit more extra time. Um, Good point. So let's go to the roadblocks. You gave me a great segue there. (laughs) We're talking about, so I think what you just articulated beautifully is why we all want to strive for high performance happiness, right? Like Mm -hmm. the outcomes, the benefit, the the achievement, but also the joy that comes with that. Mm. Now, real talk. Gotcha. What happens when it's a dumpster fire, right? Oh my goodness. As somebody who struggles with this cycle. I go through different mm-hmm. cycles of burnout and stress mm-hmm. and anxiety and even light depression. Um, for you, what does it look like when you get stuck? How does stress or burnout or how did these things sneak up and, and, and affect mm-hmm. Matthew? For what me, do I don't want to be presumptuous. Oh, you no, they do. Those they yes, they do. I am. I am definitely 100% human. I have those stages. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, for me, what that looks like is a sense of overwhelm. Hmm. Definitely a sense of overwhelm. I typically, typically, I know what I need to do, but I'm in my head about it. And something I've learned from a couple of my mentors is the things inside of your head are a lot bigger than what they actually might be in real life. So my first step is, yo, get out of your head, write things down, really look at what you have to do so that you can analytically and logically think about it rather than emotionally think about it. Roadblocks are going to happen. Roadblocks are natural. Roadblocks are normal. If you're experiencing those, there's two things that are happening. One, you need to analyze what way am I going? Is this roadblock here as a good thing to tell me, yo, don't go this way. Why are you going this way? This is an opportunity for you to stop and really look, do I need to go down this road? Or it's an opportunity for you to really re-engage with why you're doing this. When you reach that roadblock and you say, this is difficult, this is um, uncomfortable, but the thing that I'm trying to achieve is really bigger and it gives me that, um, what is the word, that motivation to continue to progress past what that roadblock, because I know that the thing that I'm trying to achieve at the end of the road is much bigger than this roadblock is. And once I've surpassed this roadblock, guess what? This roadblock doesn't bother me anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm saying it doesn't bother me anymore. I know how to surpass that particular roadblock if I meet, uh, over, uh, if I meet it again. Got it. Got it. So, mm-hmm. 
if I'm hearing you right, when you, when you hit that state of overwhelm, your go-to move is all mental. It's, it's just get at it, which is interesting for a real tactical, practical guy that your yeah. first go-to move is all mental. Exactly. Right? Get out of your head. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking beyond the problem. Exactly. Is there anything tactical that you do or you would advise when people do get stuck? Because I think that's – my wife and I were talking about this this weekend – that the beauty of getting older and wiser is you're more self-aware, mm-hmm. you've had more experience, you know how the story ends, right? You're like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I've done this before. And I'm, you know, this sucks, but I can get through it. The downside is you know how it ends, you've been through yeah. it. <laughs> so you're aware of all this stuff, but you still got to work through it. And it's like this little game in your head. So mm-hmm. beyond getting out of your head, mm-hmm. is there anything practical that you do to help yes. you get unstuck or get through that, that feeling of overwhelm. Yes. So there's two tactics that I would advise that I use and I would advise other people to do a part of getting out of your own head is really whenever you're feeling overwhelmed, whenever you're feeling stuck, taking whatever that roadblock is and literally writing that down. Mm-hmm. Cause in the process of writing it down, one, you have to understand it well enough to, to articulate it. And just even going through the articulation process, you understand, you can break it down and say, okay, if this is really these five different things, then I know there's five different things. I at least know that. And guess what? Now I know what those five different things are. So now not only have you looked at the problem, you understand the steps of the problem that you have to, to, you have to um, go for it. So that's one thing that helps. And the next thing that I would say is uh, that I learned from David Meltzer was lower the bar. We have this bar in our head that we say success needs to be. I have to pole vault over this 13 foot high thing. And if I don't pole vault over this 13 foot high thing, I'm a failure because I'm not Olympic level. And we set the bar entirely too high for ourselves. And when we set the bar entirely too high for ourselves, we become discouraged. But the source of discouragement is us. We are causing our own discouragement because we set this bar arbitrarily too high for no reason. Because at the end of the day, you have to live your life and nobody's coming through. I'm not going to go to your house and be like, hey, Brian, this list of goals you need to achieve by the end of this year. I'm not going to do that. So what you can do is and a way to lower the bar is ask, what is one small thing I can do right now that can move me in the direction that I want to go. So when I'm doing that, I it forces me, one, to think about where I'm going, two, to get some action going. Because typically the hardest part is just starting and lowering the bar. What is one small thing I can do? When I'm struggling to put together a post, when I'm struggling to get uh, speak with a client, First thing I need to do, I need to get my computer. Okay, what's the next small thing I can do? Hmm. Okay, I need to open my computer. Exactly. Get my computer, open up Facebook, open up whatever messaging app I need to do. What is the first sentence I'm going to write? Hi, nay, (laughs) exclamation point. Okay, I did that. Um, what do I need to write next? You begin to think about the things, all right, I need to speak about this particular, this particular topic that may be difficult for them. Let's just write this one thing at a time. Breaking those things down so much, it it's easier to take one focus on taking one step at a time going up a mountain rather than saying that's Mount Everest, we're gonna go there. 
Don't worry about just saying, I'm, I'm here at base camp and I need to go to the top of Mount Everest. Just yeah. focus on your steps. I'm going to take one step and I'm going to take another step. I'm going to take another step, another step. And those goals are small enough for you to continue to achieve them. You won't be discouraged. You won't wear yourself out. But ultimately, as you continue to do them, you're able to take larger, larger steps and you're able to achieve the goal that you have to achieve as long as those steps are in the right direction of the goals that you're trying to to, to meet. And they're small. So if you need to pivot, you haven't (laughs) taken like that big, huge step. Exactly. Whatever else. Yeah, exactly. I love what you said about source of discouragement. I think that's something we can all relate to that is is important to remember and those those micro steps. And it's funny because even as micro step, I'm I'm like the Olympic guy. Like I'm like, okay, (laughs) I got to win the gold medal or else I'm a (laughs) failure. When you said small, or I put use the word micro step, but you said take the small step. Mm-hmm. I'm still thinking too big, right? You're like, oh, computer man, like, oh, okay, I can do that. Uh, exactly. And it goes back to the old. Um, I don't. Know, Tim Ferriss, I'm sure, got it from somebody. But they talk about you know make your bed, like one of his exactly. brilliant top ten things. You Wait for all this, like infinite wisdom. We're like, yeah, dude, make your bed. Oh, okay, exactly. That's great. Exactly. Um, Let's let's shift gears a little bit. One thing I've always been w- wanted to ask you mm-hmm. is about that pole vaulter, about that <laughs> and success. So, how does someone like you define a successful week? Because going, I'm going to tie it all back to what you, you know when you are your own source of discouragement, and you can have mm-hmm. a busy week and still finish and beat yourself up. I think that's a tendency a lot of high performers have. We're our own worst critics. Mm-hmm. How do you define a good day or, or, or week? What's your approach or thought process around that? So two things that I would say is I have to go into story time, but I promise this is going to go. Stories are good, man. I love <laughs> So at the beginning of each week, I have some things that I want to achieve that week. Um, so if I'm able to achieve those things, the one that's, that's a good week for me. If I don't achieve those things, that can still be a good week for me as long as I've analyzed and I understand, okay, what happened? How do I make sure that this isn't going to trip me up again? Uh, Do I need to make sure that I'm eating at a different time? Do I need to make sure that I'm grocery shopping over the weekend so I don't have to spend the time that I'll be working at Walmart trying to get whatever I need to do? And just having that level of analysis of your week. I don't think that success in your week means that I did everything. The success in every oh, of your week means I'm moving forward. Did you move forward that week? Even if you didn't get anything done, do you understand why you didn't get anything done? Do you understand how to eliminate some of the reasons why you didn't get anything done? And what steps are you taking to um, habitualize the things that will prevent, habitualize the things that will prevent those actions that would prevent you from getting things done? out of your life, if that makes sense. That was a very yes, confusing I dig it. It's a different way okay. of thinking about it. I've not heard that articulated that way that, you know, as a high performer, my tendency is I, I've learned to get away from how much stuff did I get done and mm-hmm. look more did I get the right things done. But you mm-hmm. you actually are going a layer deeper if I'm understanding it. It's like, just analyze what you did, right? Exactly. Almost, almost almost decoupling completely from the outcomes and the results. And, exactly. and the more, if you do that consistently, then you're going to naturally get better, I would presume. Exactly. And that level of perspective, when you're able to, we live our lives so much that we don't get a chance to look at the lives that we're living. Hmm. So when you're able to take that step back and say, hey, let's actually look at what I did this week. 
you're able to say, I set all these wonderful goals. They're, they're great in of themselves. They're wonderful. Yeah. I'll only be able to see once I take a step back, Hey, this goal that I'm trying to achieve, it doesn't bring me joy. It doesn't do whatever. It, it, it's, it's taking me more away from my family. It's preventing me from being Matthew. It's preventing me from being the better husband in and of itself because high performance is addictive. It's very addictive. Mm-hmm. You can get so lost in high performance. It's just like, yo, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next yeah. thing? And yeah. you lose track of everything that's going on. So only after taking that stuff. Down, we put the blinders exactly. on. We just go because that's the line we set. And it's exactly. Like, I've used the phrase and I probably have to admit even recently, I need to know what to go kill. Right? Mm-hmm. Like just mm-hmm. going in that direction. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't matter until the, I analyze at the end. And what mm-hmm. you're saying is kind of have the like checkpoints. Exactly. I, I like it, man. It's like the third thing I'm stealing from you. This <laughs> go for it. <laughs> uh, you mentioned joy and in, and mm-hmm. in your bio, and one of the things that drew me to your approach I think you're pretty authentic about that. Like your productivity, the real secret sauce for you is to like get the Matthew Gaddy smile, right? Like <laughs> less in stress, foster environment, produce high quality work. So you, you get up crazy early and you talked about taking care of yourself so you can serve others. What does that time for self-care mean to your success? Like what is, what impact does it, I'll make for you or allow you to make for, for others. Like help us understand that for, for mm-hmm. you to prioritize it that much. It's a lot of time <laughs> commitment, missing out on a lot of Netflix. Like tell right. me, tell me why self-care is so important to you and the impact it's made for you. It, it's important to me because I've been in the stage of burnout before. And I understand only after that stage of burnout was very, very important for me to have because it really allowed me to see that I cannot continue to pour out of an empty cup. I can't. If I have nothing to give you, if I'm not filling myself up emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, my level of service is going to be capped at whatever it is now. And it really doesn't cap. It begins to atrophy because things are either growing or they're dying. So if I'm not continually learning, if I'm not continually studying, if I'm not continually improving my body, if I'm not continually, you know, connecting with um, myself and then higher powers and everything, my ability to serve people in my business, my ability to interact with people are going to continue to decline because I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be not as intelligent as I I mean, I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I'd be even stupider and dumber than I am now. <laughs> I wouldn't be emotionally stable. And so having these this time where you really do say, this is the dedicated time for me to become a better me, not only for you, for you as your sake, because we do need to do that, be a good person for you, but understand that being a good person for you doesn't just stop at you. It carries over into your interactions with other people. Because if you're not taking care of yourself emotionally, yeah. when you get to work and something happens emotionally, if you're low on that emotion, you're going to be like, yo, Sharon was at work today. Yeah. And you're going to tell Sharon off at work. <laughs> <laughs> up, exactly. My, but, my, yeah, I've noticed my, as I've gotten older, sleep absolutely impacts my ability to make decisions and my, and my reactions to, to others. Um, 
what are three of like your favorite go-to cell? So what are you, what are you doing in the dark at three in the morning? Uh, sounds like workouts, right? So workout mm-hmm. is one, like just physical yes. activity. How long are you working out for? Is it like half hour, hour? Um, it's usually about an hour, maybe an hour 20 if I decide to do Stairmaster. Um, I don't like doing Stairmaster, yeah, but sometimes I do. <laughs> so All I'll right, do that. So- Workout, physical activity. What What are a couple other things that are like part of your routine? In that um, there's journaling. There's my okay. affirmations, and then reading my Bible. So those are okay. the four cornerstones of my morning. I should have known better. You had like four cornerstones. <laughs> and and when you've got to give yourself grace, like you had a rough night with your daughter, or. Mm-hmm. You're just tired, man. Like sometimes mm. weeks catch up. It's been a, it's been a long <laughs> year. Um, which one? Which one gets dropped or adjusted? Uh, workouts. Workouts do. Workouts are little things that get dropped and adjusted. Um, I'm fairly reading my Bible happens. That's a priority. Journaling is a priority because I, like I said, I have to get out of my own head. Putting things on a paper really helps me to process information. Writing my affirmations is something that I do. I don't necessarily have to do them. I can read through them. So that's something that I I don't necessarily have to do all the time. It takes a little bit less time, but if one of them has to go, it's the workout and I'll go for a walk later in the day or something like that. Okay. So you'll work in, work in. Mm -hmm. How long is the routine total then if you do all four roughly, like how long do you take? Um, it's probably around three 30. I'm usually done by six, two and a half hours. hours. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, again, for those that are listening, you're like two and a half hours. <laughs> go, you know, I would encourage you to go back because I, I remember that. I remember trying to become the Olympic pole vaulter then of morning routines. I'm like, I'm going to get up at four. Like, it just didn't work for me. But if you could get up 30 minutes earlier and walk for 10 minutes, you know, my morning routine right, right now, and I'll change it in three months. But right now, my morning routine is, you know, up at six. I do 15 minutes of yoga. I do 10 minutes of core workout and I do 10 minutes of meditation. Boom, done. Exactly. And I find my 30 minute ride. Uh, I have a, a Peloton bike or outdoor, whatever, my daughter. And that's that's my balance right now for, mm-hmm. for the two, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to go big. You don't have to no. like go crazy. And then you'll find, like you described the benefits, you'll feel better and kind of want to do more. It's kind of like when you start exactly. eating better. Exactly. I want to eat better. It's weird, but it's how the body works. So um, for your listeners, it's just about being consistent, finding something that you can be consistent with. You don't, I'd rather you wake up 10 minutes early for the entire week than you to say on Monday, I'm going to wake up two and a half hours earlier and I'm going to do all these things. That's great. Is it sustainable long-term rather you be 10 minutes sustainable than two hours on Monday. And then the rest of the week, you're just like, I'm not doing that again. That makes sense. That's that's good good advice. Let's kind of turn the the final corner here where we put it all together and talk, you know, for for me, my goal mm-hmm. for people listening, if they're like me, you're you're in a rut or you're frustrated or you're burnt out, but you know you're capable, right? Mm-hmm. And and really what you want at the end of the day is happiness. And, mm-hmm. and that's that's the driver. So What's the primary driver of happiness for you? Like what to put all these things together, you know, what, what makes you get up that early and do all these, these things? I think 
for me, so there, there's the altruistic reason and then there's the selfless reason. I'll give you both. Okay. The altruistic reason is because I want to make sure I'm, I'm very passionate about what I do because there's a lot of people who are at work, especially that, that I meet with that feel at the whim and at the mercy of their work. Their work is working them rather than them providing a service and being in control of the direction of their career. They show up to work and they're like, well, hopefully if I keep doing this, I'll get a promotion. But, you know, I don't know because I've never been taught how to work uh, before. So it really gets me out of bed and altruistically is to say, yo, you have control over your, your work life. You have control over the direction of what you want to do. This isn't something that's meant to be passive. This is something you need to be actively engaged in. Because if you're not working your system, somebody else is going to use you to work their system. So being an active participant in work rather than just spending eight hours a day doing something. Mm-hmm. Selfish reason is because I want to fully experience life. That is my goal. I want to, there's, there's so many interesting things on the planet that are there that God has put there for us to enjoy. So God, higher power, whatever you want to say, I'll use God has put for us to enjoy. And if I'm not living like fully, if I'm not providing the service that one gets me paid, but also helps other people, I'm going to be limited to things that are in my available area. I won't be able to go to, you know, the the Galapagos Islands. I'll be stuck in Texas all the time. Why? Because the amount of money I'm being paid matches the level of service that I'm bringing to the planet. So as I increase the level that I can bring to the planet, as big, as I can increase the level that I'm able to help people to change their own life, because I can't change your life for you. I can only give you direction. And then you take those directions and apply them. And I can help you with that. But as I help people transform their own lives, the ability um, that my reward will match the ability that I'm able to change those lives in a positive manner. And that allows me in turn to be able to say, hey, Marley, Ashley, y'all want to go to Paris in, in the summer for like three weeks and we'll just speak French the entire time we're there just to see if we can learn French in three weeks or see how good we can be at French in, in three weeks. And so I want to be able to do those things. I want to be able to experience life. I want to be able to say, hey, we read about this in a textbook two weeks ago. Let's go visit it in next month. Let's really go back and look at it. Um, so I really do want to be able to give those experiences to my family and also to my daughter so she can be like, hey, I understand things conceptually because I read about it, but I also was able to see it. When you're able to see it, when you're able to expose yourself to those different cultures, it's able. it enables you to get a more well-rounded view, not only on life, but your work, the world and your place in it. You're able to understand that this is not just a soundbite. We live, I'm sorry, I'm like ranting, but I promise it's going to come back around. We live in a very soundbite society. The average attention span of people is three seconds, which is around the same time as a goldfish. So being able to get outside of a soundbite society and say, let's slow down. This is a soundbite. They can only give you so much because this is the amount of time that they have made to get attention. When I'm able to visit that place, I understand that this soundbite is either a piece or a sensationalized piece of what's actually going on because I've been there, because I've experienced it. I'm able to see that, okay, this is what they're talking about, but this is what's actually going on. 
and being able to understand things at that deeper level beyond just immediate reaction and understand what are some of the contributing factors that are leading to this reaction really puts you ahead of the game because you can say, all right, I'm not even going to worry about this surface level stuff. I'm not going to worry about it. Let's make sure that this particular thing is solved because this difficult down there hidden issue is the thing that's actually causing these other problems to manifest. And just being able to be exposed to different cultures to say, hey, the thing that you've been taught may be factual, but there's a reason why that it's like that. Understanding that there's a reason why behind everything really helps you to develop um, your ability to solve different problems because you'll do it in your own life. You'll say, hey, I'm not able to work up, wake up at 3.30 in the morning. Okay. That in of itself really isn't the problem. The problem is you went to sleep at 12 p.m. at midnight. That's the problem. The problem isn't you weren't able to wake up. The problem is you went to sleep too late. So being able to look at your whatever problem that you're looking and say, all right, this is the problem. What are the contributing factors to it? What are those first and second principles that are leading to this effect happening? Because that's just an effect. The problem is an effect. What are the causes of that problem and how do we address that? So that's what I'd be like to be able to do with my daughter. It's my selfish reason. Um, yeah. <laughs> for you, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And we, we've been watching a couple of shows about traveling and living in different places and all the things mm -hmm. you talked about. So we're like, awesome. Yeah, it's a whole new world, but I, I appreciate exactly. that. That makes sense. And I think the, the most important takeaway there is you're very clear on what that driver is for you. And sometimes if you're listless or you're grinding right now or you're tired, you, you got to spend a little alone time figuring mm -hmm. that out for you. Like you, you've got it figured out. That's it. That's <laughs> um, so let's, let's finish there. You mm -hmm. know, there's people listening right now that are in a tough spot. Mm -hmm. They're grinding, they're burnt out, they're tired, you know, and they're trying to figure out that first, that first step, you know, what, they, 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 that outcome or that benefit of high performance happiness is something they really truly want to get back to. They've probably mm. had it at some point. Mm. What advice do you give to somebody who's in, at that spot, kind of trying to figure out that first step? Very first thing that I want you guys to do is breathe. Breathe in deeply, mm. hold it, breathe back out. Mm. Breathe. When you get into a state like that, the very first thing that goes is your breath. And that leads to all other sorts of physiological problems. Cortisol is being released. Your blood pressure is high. Your ability to comprehend and think creatively is hampered. So breathe. breathe. Just breathe. So that would be my first step. The second thing would be is to understand what are you working towards? Not what do you want to like achieve? So it's not, uh, it's not just about you're in a position where you're saying, oh, I just want to get promoted. No, you don't want to get promoted. You want to make an impact at that job. Mm -hmm. You want to make an impact at the job, bringing down to that level and then saying, okay, I want to make an impact at this job. What do I want to make an impact in? What sort of, what sort of uh, service can I offer this particular position? I want to create X department. Okay, great. Let's break that down. Where do you need to be in the next year in order for that to happen? Where do you need to be in the next six months for that to happen? Where do you need to be at the end of this month for this to happen? What is one small thing you can do right now that Get can your move computer. you? The, exactly. <laughs> Get your computer. You might need to send an email. You might need to go talk to your boss. But breaking all those things down, having that macro vision of what you're trying to achieve and then that micro focus on what is that one thing I'm going to do right now will really help you help these people out or help, help your listeners out, help me out, help you out, helps everybody mm. out.
Because like we said before, we want to get out of our head as much as possible. Yeah. A great way to do that. One, breathe. Two, lower the bar. What's the next? What's one small step I can do? What's one small thing I can do right back, now? Man, you're consistent. Exactly. I'll give you that. That's I do big. my best. And I do my works. best. <laughs> I've been doing some of this work in a different way, but I, I can appreciate everything you're saying. I'm smiling and nodding because it's like, <laughs> working on this too. I can go grab my computer. So... <laughs> Thank you. I, um, this, this was great. We, you know, like we said, I, you know, I, I love and study all your stuff on, on that you share online. And I know you've got yeah. your course. I hope to share a little bit about, but, um, but I wanted to get to know you behind it. So it's <laughs> been a lot of fun. I, I appreciate you, man. So, Thank you. uh, where, so where can others, um, find you, follow you, connect with you to learn about the, the work you're doing and, and, uh, and all that good stuff. Sounds good. Um, so the best place to connect with me would be on LinkedIn. I put out content fairly regularly, took a step back because there was just some other things going on. We're in the midst of moving. So I was like, I'm not going to try and kill myself. I'm going to take a step back. <laughs> exactly. Give myself some grace. Regular posts will be uh, starting up soon. If you guys are interested in some of the products that I have or even getting on my free email list, you can visit MatthewGaddy.com. You can sign up for all of those. I put out a free productivity minute every week where we just talk about different parts of productivity, different aspects of it. The what is it called? The Zeiger effect, where it's easier for you to remember things that are halfway done than have things that are completed. So we talk about a little bit about why that is and how you can use that to your benefit and why that might be distracting you <laughs> when you're trying to work on things. So little things like that. You got some good yes. content on there. I'll, I'll put a link to your website on there okay. and your LinkedIn profile. So a great, great follow on LinkedIn and good content. Authentic dude. And uh, I appreciate you being here and sharing a little bit of your story, a little bit of your uh, experience with us. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. This has been a wonderful conversation. I've enjoyed every second of it. And I appreciate you so much, Brian. Oh, good. We, we, we invested your time. <laughs> well, for everybody else, thank you for, for tuning in. You can uh, check out the details and the show notes on the website. So you go to helpandhustle.com. Thank you for listening. I hope you got something out of your time with us and we'll see you next time.